Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Okay, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, uh, getting all my buttons pushed here in the studio uh, before the program, and I had five seconds to do it all, so i just a hair late. <laughs> so anyway, but I'm here, and we're going to talk about the Keys of the Kingdom, and the Keys of the Kingdom actually uh, are the keys to the the inside of your own heart and mind. Because the kingdom of God is within you. And God has to write upon your heart and your mind in order for you to know the ways of the kingdom. But I'm going to talk to you about the ways of the kingdom. But as for you, your way might be slightly different than mine. It will follow certain principles, but uh, not necessarily exactly what I'm doing. And uh, the question is, where... Who's really following the way of Christ and who's not really following the way of Christ? And the reason you want to know that mostly is to know whether you're following the ways of Christ or not. And uh, I was going, I sent myself an email with some notes in it for the show and I realized I haven't even checked my email today. I'm just coming off a six day fast that uh, was uh, a part of my own personal journey. It had to do with health and a lot of things, but a lot of fast and uh, prayer and meditation involved in that. But uh, last night I broke fast with some broth, and and now we're all ready to uh, start another work week. I, I worked through most of the week. I didn't work quite as hard as I would normally do, but I put a lot of time in putting together our study on Nahum. And uh, even though with all the time I put in it, going over all the words and everything... Right during the study this morning when I was recording it, I discovered that, oh, I missed another word that was really important. <laughs> I fixed it during the break, but it's not showing up yet because I have to fix it in several places and then it'll all line up. But uh, the, uh, the the amazing thing about Nahum that uh, I was discovering, and I'll just briefly mention it because this program really isn't about Nahum, uh, probably a little bit about fasting and the ways to liberty and uh, the secrets to the ways of liberty and liberty from what and liberty from whom and where do we find liberty the journey for liberty is within you also and but you're going to need some extra help these days because so many people want to put you under the power of despotism not a new thing uh, Nimrod wanted to become a despot over the people uh, his excuse was he was going to serve the people and help the people, care for the people. Uh, but he, what he served, the dainties that he served, at least according to Proverbs, were deceitful meats. And we were told from the beginning that when a ruler provides you with benefits or something to eat or something to take care of you or some sort of benefit, you know, like Jesus said, the benefactors who exercise authority of the governments of the Gentiles, you, you know, Proverbs says to put a knife to your throat. And Jesus says it's not to be that way with you. And Paul says you're not supposed to practice covetous practices. I know the show that goes on right before us talks about Paul as if somehow Paul 
was anti-gospel because of some of the things he said. And I understand why they think that. Uh, one of the primary things is most people don't understand the Old Testament, which is why we're going through some of the Old Testament prophets first, and then we'll try to go through everything. If I if I live that long at the at the speed we're going through it, I don't know if we'll get all that in before I'm 90 years old. But uh, going back to the original Hebrew and understanding history and understanding the mind of man, which has really not changed much in thousands of years, will give you insight into the Old Testament that most people are missing. They don't even see. They, they are cu- acutely unaware of. You know, I've actually loaded hundreds of emails now. I was trying to load the email to find out where I had put my notes. And I don't think I answered my email yesterday. It was a very busy day yesterday. And uh, so anyway, eventually we'll finish loading and we'll get into the notes. But Paul was right on. But he was talking to you about things hard to understand. He said things like, you know, we're not under the law anymore. What law is he talking about? Was he talking about the law of Moses, the law of God? We're not under the law of God anymore? No, he's actually talking about the law of the Pharisees. Remember, he was a Pharisee. He was a lawyer, for gosh sakes. And prosecuting Christians who were supposedly violating the law. So when he's talking about the law that we're not under, is the law that he was prosecuting them under. And uh, and sending them to their deaths occasionally. Or at least he was a part of that. He held the coats of the guys who stoned Stephen. And he, he was feared by Christians. But he changed. And he altered what he was... The way he was thinking. He had to go away after he was struck off his high horse. He had to go away and think about it a while. and uh, And was tutored by the Holy Spirit and other men. And he began to understand what he had gotten wrong. And and he came back talking about things hard to understand. But he came back talking about things that, uh, you know, with a sort of passion. You can actually see in the earlier epistles he talked with a little bit different tone than the others. Because he was discovering as he was going along, at least if you read him in the Greek, he was discovering as he goes along that uh, where the real kingdom of God is and it's within you. But unfortunately for the modern Christian, the modern Jew, the modern Muslim, the modern Buddhist, there's a lot of other things in them already, preconceived notions. Which, you know, I, I was just talking to somebody about schizophrenia and, uh, you know, hearing voices and all that stuff, trying to help other people out uh, who are in such a predicament and uh, trying to clarify certain things because uh, I had talked about you know, the demonic realms that are all around us. That is another dimension around us. We call it hell. Uh, but you can call it a lot of different things. It goes by many names. And, of course, there's this other dimension we call heaven, which is all around us also. Uh, but they're in other dimensions. So we don't see into those dimensions. Generally speaking, we don't see into those dimensions. Occasionally, they can impart information to us and the Holy Spirit comes from that other realm, that heavenly realm. But there are other spirits that come from that not-so-heavenly realm and how will you know the distinction between if you're listening to the Holy Spirit or to the Spirit of God? Well, God is the source of creation. 
created everything, heavens and earths. His spirit moved upon the waters and created life. And we equate light with God and darkness with the absence of light. Uh, and so, by the same token, something is missing in the spirit of the devil, Satan, the adversary of God. He's the adversary of God because he will not accept some of the light of God. He can appear as an angel of light, it says in the Bible, but it's okay. he has a lot of good characteristics. Uh, you'll find a lot of good characteristics amongst those that we call the demons, those who dwell in this other place that's not heaven. And and one of the things you'll find there is discipline, a lot of discipline in hell. There's a lot of a top-down authority in hell. There's a chain of command in hell. There's uh, courage in hell. Uh, but there's a lot of bad things which are simply missing some of the characteristics that we find in heaven. And one of the characteristics we find in heaven that we don't find in hell is selflessness. This is why charity is so important to Paul. You know, you can give away all your stuff, but if you don't have charity, well, but that that never made sense to me. I thought, like, what? what well, once you read it in the Greek, it makes sense. And... Uh, but the fact that I knew it didn't make sense meant that somehow the Holy Spirit was revealing to me that it didn't make sense. So that's why I've gone back and looked at Greek and Hebrew and all these things. Not because I don't understand, although I, I in that journey I find more understanding, just like Paul found more understanding in his journey. Barnabas found more understanding in his journey. And... Uh, Caiaphas found more understanding in his journey. Each of us have a journey to make. And we're either going towards the kingdom or away from it. It's all about direction. And that direction depends on whether or not we're willing to see the light. Because the light is not going to just show us what the world is doing wrong. It's going to show us what we are doing wrong. And you have to have the humility to see it. So anyway, I found... That email finally finished loading and loaded all the other emails I got, but uh, in my main email it loaded. And uh, I sent me myself an email because I do a lot of work on my phone because I'm not in the office. And when I get a brief moment, I'll I'll type in something uh, and some information that I get from someone. And this was about the Dr. Fung F U N G who. And the reason I was looking him up, he has written several books that cover this idea of uh, autophagy, uh, which is two Greek words, autophagy. And uh, what it means is eat yourself, <laughs> uh, which actually has to do with fasting. And, of course, there's a lot in the Bible about fasting. Did Jesus fast for 40 days? Can you do that? Well, actually, there is someone who fasted for 360 days, oh, for a whole year. Fasted for 365 days. And he went from like 400 some pounds. I don't know how much he weighed. But he was one of those huge guys. All the way down to a regular weight. And it's just like. What happened? But he fasted. Water. And electrolytes. And that's it. And he was losing almost a half a pound a day. On average. It, it varied. Uh, but he fasted all that time. And they, they monitored him the whole time and everything. But he was literally eating himself. And your body does this, has a number of different ways of doing this where it breaks down 
uh, glycose and uh, fat cells into glycose and uh, and feeds you as that's why you store fat is to feed you and take care of you. But the fat, even though you're supposed to be able to store the fat, if you store too much fat, it will kill you. And that takes us back to what I mentioned at the beginning is Marley's chains. Marley, of course, is a character in the uh, Christmas Carol. And uh, he's the spirit who used to be the partner of Scrooge, which has become synonymous. It's actually his name, but it's now become synonymous with being selfish. And uh, Marley comes back and tells him not to be selfish because you're forging chains that you will have to drag around for eternity. Now, that's not necessarily an accurate picture of the other side, <laughs> obviously, but let's just take the story as a metaphor and uh, or an allegory that is trying to tell us something, that that when you do certain things, certain wrong, don't admit certain wrongs that you do. You forge chains that you will have to drag around, and it makes it difficult for you to go into the future. Somebody was talking about how they, they can't make a decision about the future. They know God has to help them make that decision, but they seem stuck. And, of course, you all the decisions you make about the future, you make in the moment. But the point is, is you can't seem to progress into the future because you're still in the past. And you're still in the past because there was some sort of trauma or event that you haven't forgiven. And it, it chains you to the past. You can't get into the future because you're still chained to the past. And so that's why Christ talks so much about forgiveness. But it has to be forgiveness actualized. And I use that word actualized because they use that to describe a particular Hebrew letter that shows up occasionally on the front of words or on the back of words that wasn't in the original meaning of the word, but somebody added it to tell you that it has to do with this actualization. Christ talked about the same thing when he said, it's not that you you can't just say, Lord, Lord, but you have to be a doer of the word. You have to, yes, you believe, but you have to become a doer that amplifies that belief into the physical realm. And if you don't become a doer, you don't really have faith, because faith compels the doing. And so if you're not doing what Christ said, you don't really have faith in Christ. You have a belief. It's not a conviction. It's not compelling you into action. And so people don't like to hear that. They say, oh, well, all you have to do is believe. And the people who think that Paul is not accurate, not the you know uh, prophet of God, that... Uh, that he's saying certain things that are contradictory to the Testament. But I, I tell you that it's only that people are confused about what he's saying or what the Old Testament says or both. Because I see him being right on the money. Often speaking in confusing terms because of the fact that he's using the language of the time and then translators have had their way with it but the reality is Paul was part of a network of charity that helped take care of the needy of society during famines and plagues and volcanic eruptions and earthquakes that were happening all over the world for 
50 years after Christ as well as even after Paul. And the church was helping take care of people during these periods of time through a network of charity organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's just basically history. They don't repeat it constantly in the Bible, but we definitely see that that's what they were doing in Acts. And they were picking seven men in order to do a particular function, which is actually not waiting on tables, but running the banking system of Christianity. And you say, banks? Why would they have banks? Well, it wasn't like the banks that charge interest for profit. But it was the banks like charitable institutions that received the contributions of the people and were able to move them around in the empire. And it it included a lot of stuff. Uh, But they had to have at least seven guys to run that. And still to this day, a similar institution that we can start today in this world still requires seven guys that are unpaid. It's a not-for-profit institution, but has access to all banking. And we've always wanted to start one, but we can't get you guys to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, so why should we hand out all that information on how to do it until you actually start following the ways of Christ, the, the mandates of Christ? I talked about that this morning. People are all worried about mandates for masks, mandates for masks on their children in public school, mandates of vaccination or you lose your job. And there are people saying they don't have a right to mandate all this stuff. And, of course, we explain and show you the actual laws that you can use to stop those mandates. But the reality is all those mandates that you're talking about is uh, the result of, for the last hundred years, you have been mandating that uh, your neighbor pay for your child's education, take care of your parents, uh, provide welfare, provide fire departments, provide, you know, public works for you that are paid for out of tax dollars. That's mandating. You, if they don't pay into your child's education and support your public school, you will threaten to take their house away through the sheriff and the courts. That's what happens. If they don't pay those taxes, you're gonna, they're gonna take your house away. That's not the way America did it originally. That's not the way Christians do it. That's not the way true Jews who are followers of Moses would do it. I always remember that Paul met some, uh, Jews, of course. You know, most Christians were Jews in those days, but he met some particular Jews that were Essenes. And, uh, he started, he met him in Ephesus and started talking to him. And they didn't know anything about Christ. They hadn't heard anything. Evidently, they don't watch that channel then. <laughs> they hadn't heard anything about him. And he explained. And they immediately became Christians following Christ. They were still Jews. Like I said, almost all the Christians were Jews. But Essenes didn't interpret the Bible the way the Pharisees did. The Essenes considered the interpretation that the Pharisees had of the Bible to be a fiction and a fraud. They they kept the feast, they kept Passover, but they didn't follow the law the way the Pharisees followed the law, and they certainly would not impose the law through statutes, which is what the Pharisees had done. They had turned the Sanhedrin into a body that could make statutes and impose laws. Now, they couldn't just do that. They had to get people to sign up. 
and those people who signed up for this new system of war welfare under Herod and the Pharisees were registered. All the apostles were unregistered. And we know that. If you read it in the Greek, it's very clear. The, po- the apostles were unregistered. They were not a part of the world. In other words, the world, they say, is the constitutional order and system of Herod, Herod the Great, or the Pharisees who were a part of his Sanhedrin. And I've told the story that the Sanhedrin, which is supposed to be about 70, 72 guys, uh, originally 70 guys, but then there's a whole story of that. We have an article up on Sanhedrin so you can read more about it. I don't tell you everything I know about the Sanhedrin, but I'm trying to get you to at least read the basics and find out what was going on. Well, more than half of them left the Sanhedrin and had to fill their places. Well, that was... That was a fake Sanhedrin. That wasn't the righteous Sanhedrin. Christ, when he came, he appointed a new Sanhedrin, and uh, which is kind of the job of the high priest to appoint a new Sanhedrin. The first Sanhedrin was appointed by Moses. But the Sanhedrin is a spiritual legislature. They don't legislate laws for you, but they explain the law to you. And they're, you know, they're... They're very spiritually minded men and they're explaining like the statutes of Moses were trying to explain to you the basics of the Ten Commandments. And I'll bet you, you go find me anybody who says they're a Messianic Jew who is following the Torah and believes in Christ. I can show you that they're not keeping the Torah. They're not even keeping the Ten Commandments. In almost every case, I can't say that in every case because I haven't seen every case, but in most of the cases that I've come across, they're not keeping the Ten Commandments. Because they have covenants with the other gods, the gods of the world, the gods where they go. Who are the gods? That's the men who exercise authority one over the other. The men who judge what is good and what is evil. You know, any any governmental system that has a Supreme Court, that judge is good and evil. And I shouldn't just use the Supreme Court because that's not really fair. Supreme Court does not judge the people. They judge whether or not a law is in conformity to the legislative power of Congress. In other words, it might be in conformity to the legislation of Congress, but maybe Congress did not have the power to legislate that particular law. So they are judging good and evil, and that's not a good thing. Uh, Sanhedrin could do that to some degree because they were interpreters of the law. They couldn't enforce it. But when the Sanhedrin existed, there was no legislature making new laws for the people. There was no king making laws for the people. So their function wasn't exactly like the uh, the the. Uh, Supreme Court is today. Of course, there are only nine guys, and they're there. But to some degree, they had that position because we had courts before we had kings. We had uh, courts before we had a legislature. So, what law were they enforcing? I always remember reading for the first time where it says that the legislature in the early colonies were passing the first law. Well, this is hundreds of years after they started. And now they're just passing laws. What were they enforcing before? But the common law, which isn't passed by legislatures. Common law just exists. It's a long chain of what we've accepted as law. 
And the common law for a lot of the early settlers was not very accurate because it wasn't a part of the natural law of God. Because, I mean, common law was in a more pure state back in 900 and 800 A.D., but uh, once the kings took over, common law started shifting. It's not It's not specifically written down. There's lots of opinions on it. But natural law pre-exists, and it's our job to figure out what natural law is because God created natural law. And men may have their opinion about it, but it, it pre-existed our legal systems. So legal systems are created within the natural law. And that's what the Pharisees had done. That's what Herod had done. That's what they had done once they got Saul. Saul was forcing the contributions of the people to support the army. Nobody was there to do that. Before, if they were going to have a war, the people had to show up on their own. And they showed up on their own for the same reason that all those friends of Abraham showed up when he had to fight five kings. Because they had created bonds and bands between them through a system and a network of charity. They helped each other out when there was famines or maybe there was a marauding group of people or maybe a small king trying to usurp authority and take away the rights of the people. And they had helped each other out. But mostly they started this system through the tens, hundreds of thousands and creating these altars, living altars of what we call stone that were unregulated and were in charge of the charity of society and taking care of the needy of society. So each congregation did this, but occasionally you might have a situation where more people in a particular area are hit really hard and they need help from somewhere else. And so they had this network that came. And of course, Abraham is a perfect example of that. Five kings came in and took one city-state after another, and they made a mistake when they took Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. So Abraham was going to go save his cousin. Although he wasn't deserving of being saved, but he was going to go save his cousin. Or nephew, excuse me. And uh, so he was heading off that way to save his nephew. And he told all the other people around him that he'd helped set up these altars. That he was going to go do this. And they said, we'll go with you. And so an army appeared overnight. Why did it appear overnight? Because they had set up this system of charity. You don't have that anymore. You have dissolved those bands. We had that in America. We had that in America at one time, in the early days of America. We had that before the United States was even formed. And so the only reason we won the American Revolution, sort of won it, is because we had those bands that bound us together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And we've dissolved those bands because of FDR and LBJ and because we were willing to sit down and eat with rulers whatever they had to offer, the welfare that they had to offer. We were sit down to eat with them and their table was a snare. This made us merchandise and cursed our children with debt. So anyway, we've gone over that plenty of times. Everybody should have that down, but we always have different listeners because we're doing this on radio broadcast. So, anyway, I just got uh, a notice uh, from, let's see. Oh, uh, Sue Peters, is this it? Oh, yeah. Marine officer exposes military mandates illegal. Well, no, the military mandates are not illegal, but you can refuse them. And he says they're illegal, immoral, and unconstitutional. 
he's probably wrong. I haven't listened to it. But they, there is, the mandates, it says right in the statutes, they put this right in the statutes that you have a right to refuse them. They can mandate them. That's not a law. They can say you have to get it. But you have the right to refuse it. Not an exemption. Not an exception. But you actually have a right to refuse it. And we explain that. We've told you. Or if you want to know more about it, just go look up our article at preparingyou.com. Refuse. And we'll explain it. Lay it all out for you. And why nobody's telling you about that. Because there's there's a plot. There's a plan. But what I want to talk to you about right now, to some degree, is, is Fung, who explains this bad medical practice used for years and years. He used it for at least 10 years of prescribing insulin to people that are diabetic, type 2 diabetic, and uh, not dealing with the real problem. The people got worse and worse. They're getting their legs cut off. They're damaging their bodies. And they're dying of heart attacks and everything. Because of the treatment he's giving them. It's not helping. And what he discovered was that fasting and a low-carb diet or no-carb diet was actually, he had people within a few weeks or months were off insulin. And the insulin was causing weight gain, which they were trying to lose by dieting. So the doctors were giving them a hopeless scenario, literally poisoning them with insulin, because it was fattening them and, and affecting their hearts and affecting their circulation and and uh, their whole health was poor. And I, I have a sister-in-law who was type 2 diabetic, taking insulin. She went on the diet and she's was off her insulin. She didn't need it anymore. And other medications as well. And she's much healthier for it. And uh, they know about this. They've known about it for years now because they did the studies and saw the the difference. But they're still prescribing. Of course, a lot of people would rather just take the insulin than to change their diet or their lifestyle. But Fung has written three books now. It takes you through this and tells you how to do it. And I listened to an interview with him. If you want a, you want a copy of the interview or a link to it, just... Uh, uh, emailed the network. I want to hear about that, uh, that interview with Fung, uh, Dr. Fung. Uh, and I'll send it to you on the network. And, uh, if you haven't joined the network, go to preparingyou.com and join the network. And then, if you're smart, you'll join the Living Network by sending down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and starting to take care of one another through Faith, Open Cherry. At least start moving in that direction because it, Remember, seeking the kingdom is a process. That's why he used the word like seek. And seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is also a part of that process. So what Fung, I, I, I find him fascinating because he went through all the medical training, 11 years, and then 10 years of practicing medicine. And he thought like something's wrong here. I'm not really doing these people as much good as I need. And so he started looking into it and and he was, and he said one point, the ungodly amount of research he's had to do in his spare time, uh, in order to figure this all out and be able to talk about it. Uh, he says people, just, and he laughs about it, the people just don't realize how much time this all takes. Same here. Hey, <laughs> welcome to my world. Uh, going over the Bible word by word, letter by letter. Uh, I don't need to do that. 
I do that for those people who lack faith, who aren't listening to the Holy Spirit, to show them that they're not listening to the Holy Spirit and they actually got it wrong. That uh, they're the if you're going to the men who exercise authority to take care of you in Social Security, welfare, uh, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, take care of your parents with Social Security. Um, any of those things. You're eating the Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the Word of God to none effect. You're in violation of the laws of Moses. You're in violation of the Ten Commandments because you've gone to the gods of the world who decide what is good and evil, what you're going to get, what you're not going to get, and force what you're going to give and what you're not going to give. You're not living by free will offerings, which is what they talk about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You're living by forced offerings from the fathers of the earth, the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, and the gods of the nations where you go who make those decisions for you. And you have covenants with them because you go down and apply for their numbers and for their IDs so that you can get these benefits. But now they're not even going to give you the benefit unless you get a vaccination. That will probably kill you in two to three years or five years. It certainly changed your life. You're not going to be healthier. I mean, that's the amazing thing. Is the same thing the Fung is talking about with the insulin that he's been prescribing and the other drugs that he's been prescribing have been making people's health worse. Right now we see the vaccine, which they're telling you from the halls of the gods that you have chosen for yourself, the rulers that you have chosen for yourself, the kings that you have chosen for yourself. They're saying you have to get the vaccine or this all won't go away. But yet we see the most vaccinated state in the United States was Vermont. And they have a rise in cases, a rise in hospitalization, a rise in deaths that are multiples of 100%. Yet they're the most vaccinated. Scotland, 80% of the, the cases are amongst the vaccinated, not the unvaccinated. Israel, the same thing. Country after country, it's the same thing. And it seems to be growing. You know, originally it was like 40% and 51% and 54%. And now we're getting figures like 74% and 80%. That's exactly what was predicted by epidemiologists we were quoting back in 2020. And explaining Suzuki, uh, the Japanese study, which is actually more recent, but uh, Malone, uh, Ioannidis, all these guys, top scientists... Bakhti in Germany, top scientist, most quoted in the history of Germany in his field. And yet, you don't hear anything about it on the news. You don't hear anything about it from Fauci. He's still saying you have to get it to make it go away. Yet, the CDC says that it won't go away. You'll still get it. with, But you just your symptoms will be less. They won't be as severe. At least at first. And that's true. Your symptoms, if you, if you don't end up with anaphylactic shock or something else that kills you or heart problems, your symptoms, if you get a flu, they may be less this month. Next month, it may be more. But what happens while it's less? You got the flu, you're replicating, it's, you're shedding, and, but you're not as sick. So you go out, you go to work, you go visit people, you're spreading it. You become a super spreader. 
This is just basic math, basic skills in following this. Uh, we did Dr. Rose. We just added her to numerous scientists page at Preparing You. You can look that up. She's saying that this is showing evidence of enhancement. The Japanese studies showing evidence of enhancement. They mentioned enhancement 90 some times in the, in the studies abstract and, uh, uh, to the conclusion, the body of the study. Um, what it means is that, and they even tell you that immunity is dropping. It may be a total disappearance of immunity for some people, which means by the middle of winter, you could be seeing lots and lots of more deaths. And Fauci is still saying, we have to all go out and get the vaccine, or we may have a dark winter. That's what he was saying just recently. In, in other words, ter- terrible, terrible illness. But the scientists are saying that all the variants are coming from the vaccinated. That's the science. I mean, you can go read it. Go read them. We have links to the actual studies. You can go read the actual studies. You can read what they say in it. We quote them right there. But people don't want to hear it. Well, it's the same thing Fung saw when he started talking about the simplicity of changing your diet and, you know, uh, intermittent fasting and, and people getting better. Yeah, doing away with the need for insulin, doing away with the need for other drugs, doing away with depression. Uh, all kinds of things happen because their food is their medicine. But people were denying it still. And they're still poisoning people with stuff. They're still learning. And, you know, the frontline doctors were willing to think outside the box. And some of them are beginning to look at diet and all that stuff too because they're seeing, you know, do you need ivermectin? Do you know that there's a, there's a, well, ivermectin does come from nature. Uh, it's somewhat processed. It comes from ivermecta, which is a derivative from a bacteria from a mouse that was living on a golf course in Japan. <laughs> That's where it came from. And hydroxychloroquine, you know, like somebody, uh, Trump said something about, well, uh, maybe there's a way that we can disinfect our own bodies, you know, like with chlorine. Well, did you know your body actually manufactures chlorine to disinfect your body on a cellular level? It also manufactures uh, hydrogen peroxide on a cellular level. Uh, your body is one of the biggest chemical factories there are. But how do you know how, how does your body know how to do all that thing? And is there anything you're doing to interfere with your body? Well, obviously what you eat, uh, is making a difference, uh, the amount of glucose and carbs and, and sucrose that you consume is all having an effect on your body, is damaging your organs, etc. And you can do things, you can learn all about it and, and not do those things. But, uh, what is really going on? I wrote down a couple of Bible quotes. I don't, actually, I think I wrote more in my notes, and this is the early time when I sent the notes. But in Matthew 6.23, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And this is what I'm telling you, that Fung was seeing that the doctors just would not admit the truth because they wouldn't, they weren't going to go down that road. They just didn't want to see it. 
And people won't admit the truth about the vaccine. They won't admit, admit the truth about the flu. Some people just say, I'm not going to take the shot, and they don't know why, and that's fine. I'm, I'm all for that. There's some people who want to take the shot because they think it's going to save them, even though they're being told by Fauci, who's either an idiot or a liar, one or the other. I don't know. But uh, they don't that they don't want to see it. You can lay it all out. They say we're following the science. The one guy was wanting to go house to house and dark people who wouldn't get the shot, and he actually works for the government. And uh, he said, "Well, the science is black and white on this." What I I haven't seen this. I've I've looked for the science that says that the shots are a good idea. There is no scientific studies that show that the science is a good idea. They skip most of the scientific studies. None of these vaccines are approved. Not the ones they're giving out. They approve some vaccine that they haven't produced yet, which is I don't know how you can do that. How you can approve a vaccine that you haven't produced yet? When did you do the trials? It's not that kind of approval. They approved the, that they could make a vaccine. <laughs> they didn't approve that it could go out to all the people. And, you know, like the, this article that uh, somebody sent, uh, who did I say, Pete uh, Santilli, I might go there and post again, that it's not unconstitutional what they're saying. If If you have a disease that you can actually spread to other people and make them sick, they have a right to quarantine you. They have a right to stop. If they have a way of stopping you from producing the disease and infecting other people, they have a right. That's just self-defense. You have a constitutional right to self-defense. But that's not what's happening. And, uh, you know, what I was going to share with some people, I don't know if I got to it. Uh, yeah, I have it here. HB... 2238, is that the right bill? I thought it was 35, but maybe it's 38. Relating to private property during an emergency, amending ORS 35350 and 401-188. So they're amending those. You have to go read those to find out. I'm not going to get into all that in detail. An owner of property that is used or possessed only temporarily under this section is not entitled to compensation except as the owner may prove entitlement to compensation. In other words, they can come in and they can, uh, emergency that possess a threat to persons or a property, including under the direction of the governor of Oregon. So all the governor has to do, doesn't say Oregon, governor under ORS 401, all they have to do is declare emergency and they can take your house away. They can take the food out of your pantry. They can ration food. They can uh, restrict the freezing of food and the rationing of food and the quotas of food and the prohibition on the shipment and the pricing, fixing, and the allocation of or other means and use sale distribution of food, feed, fuel, clothing, and other commodities, materials, goods, and services. Uh, other goods and services. So they can regulate just about every aspect of what you need for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And all they have to do is declare emergency. And they say, you know, they can only do it temporarily without compensation. They get to decide the compensation. And temporary, what's that? Is that like two weeks to flatten the spread? Or two years 
to flatten the economy. Because that's what they turned temporary into. And why did this bill come up? It actually came up last year. It came up again this year. They stopped it. But like I said, they came up with a bill before this year. Uh, before the the coronavirus even was, the word was even known. They came up with a bill to force vaccinations. Somebody's writing these bills and going to all the trouble to present them in Congress. And uh, it's devastating the people. And uh, they have a, another one coming up now. The American Rivers Democracy Act. And they had a similar thing in Australia. And uh, why they have a similar bill in Australia and they have it here? Years ago, I was looking up things about the birth certificate and reading about it. And I happened to have friends in foreign countries or came from foreign countries. And I noticed that the statutes in, uh, let's see, Netherlands changed in the same year the statutes in the United States changed. That, that, this has been a conspiracy plot, whatever you want, net, worldwide for years and years. Why don't we see it? I see the evidence of it. I see the footprints. I can track the cougar. Uh, yeah, I used to be a pretty darn good tracker. But uh, why don't you see it? Why aren't you realizing what's going on? And it's because your eyes have been darkened. And now the whole body is darkened. Modern Christianity doesn't see what's going on. Because their eyes have been darkened. So what darkens your eyes? You know, in Matthew 6.20, which is actually before that. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. So, what was he talking about? Talk about central treasuries. Well, there was a central treasury in um, Israel. There was a central treasury in Rome. And, of course, it was pilfered by Nero and by other emperors as well. But Nero really got away with a lot of stuff. I've told you the whole the behind-the-scenes story of Nero. He didn't die from being stabbed. It's pretty clear he didn't die from being stabbed. I, I read another account of that just in the last week. Um you know what the the actor who was playing Nero, which is common. Nero didn't want to show up at all the functions and stand out on the balcony and wave to everybody. So he got an actor that looked a lot like him, and he had him go out there and stand and wave and everything and play the actor, and then he could go back and do whatever he really wanted to do. And uh, he got that actor to play his part when it came to getting him stabbed to death. <laughs> and the guy who stabbed him was actually uh, a, uh, you know, somebody who worked for uh, Nero for a long period of time. And he ended up getting a whole big estate and everything because he did away with this terrible emperor. He played the hero of killing Nero. But he knew darn well the guy he was killing was not Nero, which is why he stabbed him in the face like 23 times before anybody else got there. He stabbed them in the face and killed them. And then the last words of the guy laying there is, Behold, the actor dies. Yeah, it was the actor who died. It wasn't Nero who died. Nero went on 
to, uh, he actually went on to Israel, and then he went on up north, and uh, he hid out up there with huge amounts of treasure <laughs> and uh, influence. But uh, people don't know that story. But, so the central, central treasuries are constantly robbed. There isn't any money in the U.S. central treasury. The U.S. has been unsolvent and broke and in debt since 18-something. I can't remember exactly. Was it 1847? We've been in debt. We've never been out of debt since then. So Social Security has been bankrupt from the, its inception. It was because there is no division of funds, and we explain that because it says it in the Supreme Court, and they're the gods of this world. Uh, so Romans 13.9 says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's Paul. But didn't Paul tell us he the law is done away with? No. No, he didn't mean that law was done away with. He meant the statutes of the Pharisees was done away with. The enforceable statutes of Pharisees was done away with. He didn't mean the Ten Commandments was done away with or he wouldn't have been saying this in Romans 13.9. So, what what's the problem? Why are people having such a hard time figuring out and somehow they say he's done away with the law we don't have to do? What And the Essenes, like I said at the beginning, the Essenes were interpreting the Torah. They read the Torah in the Hebrew and they were not doing what the Pharisees were doing. They said that their interpretation was a fiction and a fraud. What they were doing was taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. That's what the Essenes, most of the Essenes, all Essenes weren't the same. They didn't even call themselves Essenes. And most of the early Christians were Essenes. But they didn't call themselves Essenes. They didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves Jews. But they weren't like some of the Jews uh, who would go to the government and ask the government to force their neighbor, mandate that their neighbor pay for their welfare. Christians wouldn't do that. And they were persecuted because they wouldn't join systems that did that. Because they wanted a mandate that the Christians join the social welfare of Rome, which was public religion. That's what Social Security is. You got a Social Security number. You're a member, a registered member of public religion. Because that number and the obligations that it creates... And the, the uh, responsibilities that it imposes on you, mandates upon you, to pay in a portion of your labor plus income tax, that is your agreement. You applied for it. That is your religious number, ID number for public religion. That's what's going to take care of you in your old age. That's what's going to take care of you to get free education. And, of course, if you want ID, they want to make sure you're a member of their religion. Their religion of Social Security. Like the the guy said, socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion. 
The religion of the Old Testament was based on free will offerings taking care of one another in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Administering justice amongst the the peers of your congregation if the argument was between two congregations, they would pick 12 men, three, six from each congregation to sit on the jury to decide what's fair. How did they enforce what's fair? Well, they stoned them. Yeah, no. You don't know the meaning of stoning. And those of you who have been listening know the meaning of stoning. It had nothing to do with picking up rocks and hitting people in the head. And if you go back to the original Hebrew, go read our Sacrifice of Sophistry or look up stoning it at preparing you. And we go through it step by step. But what's happened now is that just like the doctors are addicted to prescribing medicines because of their ego and vanity and... People are addicted to going to the government for their solutions and their problems and solving all their problems. They're also addicted to sugar and sucrose and high fructose corn syrup (laughs) and Twinkies and all these that they're addicted to them and they're poisoning themselves with these things. But they're addicted to them. You know, I was trying to remember the Ogden Nash poem. This uh, this afternoon when we were talking about this and that, it's uh, I think it's Ogden Ash. I may be wrong about that, but it sounds like Ogden, where he says in in the course of things, uh, candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker, because it's an addiction for these things, and we're addicted to government. So one of the things that Fung talks about, we talk about, Jesus Christ talked about, Moses talked about. If you're going to overcome this addiction, whether it's AA or whatever, if you're going to overcome this addiction, you need a support group. Ergo, tens, hundreds, and thousands. The Living Network. Now, to clear away the scales from your eyes, you're going to need this inner journey into your own trauma, into your own unforgiveness, your own judgment. As you judge, so shall you be judged. You've been mandating to your neighbor for years to provide you with benefits at his expense, at the, the your children's future expense, because you've also run up these huge debts, which means you haven't been keeping the Sabbath. You didn't work first and then take your rest. You borrowed against the future. And now you have to work on Sunday. You're not keeping the Sabbath if you're in debt. If you're a citizen of the United States, that's your debt number. It's your benefit number, but it's it's your debt number. So you haven't escaped anything. You you're violating the Ten Commandments all the time. And now you know people like uh, Franklin Graham who says that Jesus would take the shot. Everybody he's talked into getting the shot. If they die from the shot, he's a murderer, stealer. You know, there was a quote, I, actually I didn't, don't seem to have sent it, uh, for this thou shalt, oh, oh, I didn't send it yet. It must be in another email, but, uh, I was talking about thieves, it was something I was working on, it talks about thieves who want to rob and steal and destroy, and the Bible, you can look that up yourself. I could pull up my phone, but we don't have enough time. But rob and steal and destroy, it talks about the thieves who do it, it, doesn't the word they use there, klepten, kleptic, it's not the word for an overt stealer with a gun who comes and robs you. It's not even for a burglar. It's the one who does it with subterfuge and secretly. 
and there's they're you know with every single stimulus package they they're stealing from everybody they think they, they giving to people and they take it just like a alcoholic takes a drug but you're all going to be robbed because now we're going to have inflation runaway inflation but if you're not going to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Now, we've got a lot of projects that we're going to start. We had somebody here we thought was going to help us. He took off to go eat mushrooms or something. I don't know what. He never even communicated with us. But we have other people talking about coming and helping. We have these projects. I'm going to be working on this afternoon. But they're not for the foolish virgins. So you need to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And until then, all I can say is peace on your house and may God be with you. Uh, God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.